Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of Know Your Enemy, the second time we can uh, call it that for the 2021 uh, season. Uh, my name is Michael Beck, Deputy Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, joined as always, really. I, I guess Jeffrey had the week off last week, but uh, welcome, welcoming him back in triumphant fashion. Jeffrey Benedict, how you doing tonight? I'm doing all right, Michael. I'm doing all right. Excited to, excited to get some more football. Oh yeah, honestly, it's it's been a long what like five six months. I, I'm 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 definitely yeah. ready for another game. <laughs> um, and as always, we do have a special guest uh, joining us for uh, the second time now. Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation. Brandon, how you doing tonight, sir? Guys, doing great. Thanks for having me. Always good to talk to my friends from the other side of the Keystone State for that rare mm-hmm. Eagles uh, Steelers matchup this time in the preseason. Yeah, and uh, of course that game kicking off Thursday night. Um, it's it's always a big game when you're getting that Battle of Pennsylvania. But I'm curious your thoughts, Brandon. It doesn't really matter. It's a preseason game. Do do players get up more because it is kind of a like that interstate rivalry, or is it still just a preseason game? Yeah, I think it's still a preseason game. I don't think it means too much other than just the fact that these players are going through training camp. They've practiced together for now about two weeks. And they're probably looking forward to actually tackling, finally, and actually uh, playing against other people instead of their own teammates. So I think that's the fun part of it. How, how like you, obviously the Steelers had the Hall of Fame game. Uh, this is the first preseason game for the Eagles. Uh, do you expect it to be any different? Do you, do you think that's a disadvantage or an advantage to either side? Uh, it could be a little bit of advantage, I guess, for the Steelers and just from that, you know, they kind of have the rotations figured out. They're in a groove maybe a little bit. They have things going there already. Um, from the Eagles, it's hard to know fully what to expect because, you know, it's a new coaching staff here under Nick Sirianni. So we don't really know how he handles preseason typically, you know, how often he's going to use the starters and everything. My guess, just based on how conservative they've been with their practice times, so they've had some really short practices in training camp, is that they're going to play on the play it safe and based on how many injuries they've had, but but I really don't know. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. Stupid questions popping to my mind, but uh, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this, Brandon. Just the nature of the game, of course, kind of the Battle of Pennsylvania. Really, it is a yearly uh, preseason matchup. Well, would you be interested at all, like how they do it in college sports, where like the rivalry games have some sort of trophy involved? Like, do you think that would might like try to boost the game if it was like if you gave the game a name? Would it be worth more, even though it's a preseason? Because like some, I, I don't know, you, you make a, like a, a key into a stone because it's the Keystone State, and I'm just a creative genius. But uh, <laughs> would that make it mean anything more? Or is that just a, a silly idea? So I uh, actually got a question, you know, from our good friend Jeff Hartman here, uh, from mm. also from behind the steel curtain. He was he was asking me like, why do the Steelers always lose when they come to Philadelphia? It's been <laughs> always since. Since 1965, since the Steelers have won in Philly. And my theory on it is that, like, I think it's kind of just the luck of the draw in that, like, when uh, Pittsburgh Steelers came to town in 2016, the Eagles were, like, really hot with Carson Wentz at the start of that season. Um, They came in uh, 
2008. Darren Sproles game. <laughs> Darren Sproles game. Uh, they came in 2008 when Eagles went to the NFC Championship game that year and lost to the Cardinals. So, like, they, they've come in some, like, kind of good years or good times for the Eagles. So maybe it's some of that. It could also be maybe that during the regular season, maybe it's that, like, this team doesn't overlook the Steelers, you know, because they've had more success and they're in the same state. And they're like, we don't want to lose to that team. I don't think there's a rivalry. It's not really fair to say that between these two teams. But I think there's something uh, to that. And the way I look at it, it's the Eagles Steelers to me is always about Wawa versus Sheets uh, supremacy <laughs> here. And obviously uh, the Eagles have to uh, stand up and defend the, the, uh, the glory of Wawa. <laughs> that's what okay. we're gonna name the game the walla wow. sheets bowl <laughs> yes or sheets walla depending who won the year before <laughs> that's okay all right um wow uh <laughs> how, how is uh how, how is the starting quarterback situation looking hard transition. in philadelphia just hard, hard yeah. cut there it just threw uh, me way off um yeah how how is the transition away from Carson Wentz going and, and and how how does how does Philadelphia feel about this this whole like just suddenly boom we're we're done with Wentz yeah well i can tell you it's not like going to Wawa and getting on the touch screen and you know getting your favorite order it's not quite that simple um it's it's a complicated situation where Carson Wentz is gone and a lot of people are pretty happy so that's feeling fine about that but uh, I think there's a big question mark now. I, I don't think it was about like you can't get rid of Carson Wentz because you only have Jalen Hurts here. Like that's not the decision that needed to be made. Like Carson Wentz needed to be moved on from because I think there are very real concerns about his stubbornness when it comes to kind of fixing him. And, and quite frankly, he didn't want to be here. That much is apparent. He wanted to go to the Colts. You can't have like a franchise quarterback who doesn't want to be here. Um, I guess unless you're the Packers and you're Aaron Rodgers and you find a way to make it work. Carson Wentz was not Aaron Rodgers last year. He was quite literally like the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, or at least the very least one of them. So Jalen Hurts is here. And speaking of worst quarterbacks in the NFL, I think entering the season, Jalen Hurts belongs in that conversation. That's not to say he can't get better and prove people wrong. And he's only 20, he just turned 23 years old. So I think there's you know room for him to grow. But right now, as a starting point, he was really bad last year in terms of accuracy. And he has a lot to prove. So I think what he's shown in training camp, I don't really see a lot of signs that this is a night and day player. But I will allow that his game, you know, him being as mobile as he is, that might not be showcased, you know, as good as it will be in real games as it is uh, kind of not being able to be featured in practice. So I'm not out on Jalen Hurts, but I think there are a lot of questions to answer. Can I, okay. can I follow up on that real quick? Uh if Jalen Hurts is in the category, belongs in the category of worst starting quarterbacks to start the season, uh, if you had the option of taking Dwayne Haskins, Mason Rudolph, Josh Dobbs, just take all three of them versus Jalen Hurts, which, which one would you take? I would take Jalen Hurts just because of the upside, just because of the potential. I've never been a Haskins guy. I just okay. I don't get it. Maybe he's doing better out there in Pittsburgh. I haven't kept track of that. I just I just never really saw it with him at all. Never been a Dwayne Haskins guy. Just from the potential alone and the rushing mobility. At the at the very least, I think we can say from a rushing perspective, Jalen Hurts is probably maybe the second best rushing quarterback in the NFL behind Lamar Jackson or, you know, maybe top three if you're putting Kyler Murray up there. So at the very least, I think he has that going for him. Whereas with Dwayne Haskins and any of those other guys, there's just nothing there that really makes me feel like anything that I want to see from them. 
Uh, just to throw a point out there about Dwayne Haskins, Steelers fans adore him because he's not Mason Rudolph. Um, <laughs> if, if, uh, if, if Rudolph were to throw two touchdowns and Haskins threw two picks and that was like their stat line for Thursday night, people would still tell you Haskins had a better game. Like That's just the way it's going to be because he, he of the throws, disdain. He throws such beautiful practice balls. Hmm. Dwayne Haskins, just beautiful downfield balls in practice. Gotta love that. <laughs> oh yeah, that that that's what what really really matters. But of course, that that is a position battle for the Steelers. And watching preseason action, oftentimes fan bases don't know what's kind of going on on the other side. Could you break down some of the uh, bigger position battles that uh, Philadelphia has going on right now, and stuff that Steelers fans should watch out for on the other side of the ball? Yeah, so there was a battle, in theory, heading into training camp at left tackle between Jordan Mailata, who was a really interesting story for you guys who don't know. He, he This is a dude who never played football in his life until, I think it was actually against the Steelers a couple years ago. It was his first preseason game. Uh, he, he played in rugby league in Australia. Now he's worked his way up over the years he's developed, and basically he's the guy there. He's had a great training camp, and Andre Dillard now, who is the other competitor, has been looking terrible in training camp, and he's hurt. So that's kind of out of the uh out of the out of sight out of mind now for that spot but some of the other spots to look out for i mean i'll just give you a couple of players like quez Watkins, number 16 uh in i would say midnight green but i'm guessing the eagles are going to wear their all white jerseys so they usually do in the summer um that's a player to watch out for i think he's been the best wide receiver in eagles training camp now mind you Devonte smith hasn't been practicing because he's been hurt and i just think he's looked better than even 2020 first round pick Jalen Rager so uh, that's a that's a guy to watch out for if you see him make a big play against the Steelers defense or the backups probably like that shouldn't be like a total shock uh just remember you, you heard that name here and then from the starters um and it's not necessarily a battle in that I think a lot of these guys are going to get playing time but Josh Sweat number 94 and Derek Barnett number 96 um and a really interesting situation for them because they're both in contract years. Derek Burnett, a former first round pick in 2017, Josh Sweat, a fourth round pick in 2018. And Josh Sweat's just having a monster training camp. He's living in the backfield. I think if he's playing early on, um, he could cause some disruption for the Steelers. And I think his great offseason is overshadowing what Derek Burnett has done. He's also been pretty good. Not quite as dominant as Josh Sweat, but still pretty good too. So uh those are the numbers I'd watch out for number 16, number 94, and number 96. Yeah, Josh Sweat had a pretty good game against Pittsburgh last season too. Um, one of the one of the wide receivers you have, JJ Arcega Whiteside, is a guy that Steeler fans were really high on going into that draft. Uh, mm. How has he done for Philadelphia? I know he hasn't had the greatest. How is he looking going into this season? Yeah, so it's kind of hard to know what to make of JJ because he does this every year. At least he has the past few years where he looks good in training camp and. I even kind of bought into last year, like, all right, he turned the corner. He seemed like just listening to him talk in interviews, he seemed like he was a little bit like mentally different and everything, and he, he and he had another good camp. But then the regular season rolled around, and I think except for that long pass in the Steelers team, which is like before, right before the end of the first half, it, which it didn't even matter anyway because it didn't set up anything. It was a nice catch, like in a vacuum, but not in the, like it didn't matter in the actual game. Uh, I, like JJ's kind of looked good again in camp, not great, but kind of good. 
he's kind of working in the slot more now, which it seems like the just the cure all when a receiver isn't good, you just move into the slot. Um, so I honestly don't think he deserves to make the Eagles roster. So maybe he'll be out there for the Steelers to claim if they want him or something. Um, but the Eagles <laughs> might just try to hold on to him because he was a second round pick from a couple of years ago. They might just not be ready to give up on him quite yet. But to me, I'm not seeing anything that is that, that makes him like a must keep kind of player. That's pretty interesting. Now, I'm curious your thoughts on uh, these new, this entirely new coaching staff as well. Uh, from what you see, are the players buying in? Is this is this a complete uh, takeover, whole new culture? Is everything kind of uh, adjusting the way you'd hope it to uh, be going at this point? Yeah, it's interesting because I don't think the Eagles were bad last season necessarily because they like had a bad you know culture, and I don't think Doug Peterson and I think a lot of Eagles fans would agree with this. Was like the biggest reason why the team was bad. I think one of the biggest reasons why the team was bad is because the quarterback fell off a cliff and Wentz was terrible. Uh, and that is not just because the coaching staff was bad. A lot of that was his own fault, his own doing. And I think a lot of blame should go on the front office. And the front office hasn't had to answer for that. Sarah Roseman is still very much here and in charge. Um, but looking at what the new coaching staff has brought, I think the goal, in theory at least, is to kind of get more out of some of these underachieving players. And the thought is, okay, we need to focus more on player development and get these young guys up to speed. And if we can do that, maybe we actually have more talent than we think we do. We just have to develop it better. The pieces are here. Now, I don't fully buy that because I think the roster needs work, but I think it is apparent that this coaching staff is really trying to take the time with young players. For example, Nick Sirianni like, really chewed out Jalen Rager uh, last week in practice after he had a really bad rep. But then, you know, next day he comes back, he's a really good play, and he's right there to, you know, kind of give some, uh, show him some love. So uh, I think that's really been the focus, trying to get more out of these young players. And I think this Eagles season as a whole is not like a Super Bowl or bust season, especially coming off this bad year. Admittedly, Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles owner, has said this is a, quote, like real transition period, and he compared it to where the Eagles were in 2016 when it was Carson Wentz's year and Doug Peterson's first year. So I think this season's kind of about finding answers in terms of like who, like who, what is our core? Who are our long-term players? And then kind of hopefully having a kind of a good season to take that and transition into 2021 and then start to really go all in and, and start really building this thing up. You talked about just there about them focusing on developing the younger guys and getting them to getting them going. Uh, and the first two draft picks you had this year haven't played much at all. Um, what are your what are, what are your thoughts on where Devonta Smith and Landon Dickerson are going to be this season? Even yeah, so with Devonte, I think he's going to be awesome. <laughs> I think he's going to be really good. I really wanted the Eagles to draft him. I, like he's my number one target realistically, and. I, it's unfortunate that he's been you know, hampered by injury here, but he was doing some rehab work on a side field just yesterday. So I think that's, you know, portends well to him coming back within a week or two, which is the original timeline. So I think he'll be back and I think he'll be fine. And honestly, I think he's going to be the big volume target in this offense, assuming he is healthy and he's not struggling. I think he's just too talented to, to not really uh, excel from the jump. And then when it comes to Landon Dickerson, uh, it's weird because the Eagles – pretty much said they did not see this as a red shirt year for him. Now, he's been on the pup list all training camp so far, and it's unclear if he's going to be really ready. Actually, he's on the NFI list, but same thing, basically. Uh, it's unclear like when he's going to be activated from that. Like There's really been no talk at all. So, uh, But even if he is healthy, I mean, he's, he's missed all training camp, and there isn't an obvious starting line 
offensive line position for him. So I guess he might be your top interior backup, but those lack of reps make me wonder if it is. And and this actually might just kind of be a red shirt year for him, unless it's like last year when the Eagles were just so devastated by offensive line injuries, they had to use 14 different combinations in 16 games. Yeah, that uh, that's not going to do uh, any team any service. But uh, another player that's placed beside the offense line, I want to bring up uh, Zach Ertz. Seems like this offseason uh, there's been a handshake deal in place with Buffalo twice, I- I- Indy perhaps at one point, uh, talks of a holdout. Now all of a sudden he is at camp, seems like he's going to be on the team. What's going on with that situation? Do you expect him to be on the roster throughout this whole year, or is, is Zach Ertz happy? Like, what's going on with that? Well, I definitely don't think he's happy, but he is here, and uh, he still looks good. Um, my thinking is that the Eagles and Zach Ertz kind of came to maybe a reluctant agreement on Zach Ertz's part, but it's like, hey, come into training camp, have a good camp. There'll be reports of how you're looking good still, and we'll make sure to talk about how great you've been as a leader and everything and, and speak lowingly of you. And we'll try to boost your trade value. And then that way you do that, then someone will come trading for you and then you can go free. So I think maybe that's the thinking there. I think it's possible the Eagles might just be willing to keep him, but I think that's kind of foolish because if they trade him, they can clear 8.5 million off of their cap. And I think they should because Zach Ertz is clearly not going to be back next season. They're not signing him to an extension. Or if they are, then they're giving a big money extension to an older player while also probably definitely not re-signing Dallas Goddard, who they have waiting in the wings. So uh, I feel like Zach Ertz can't be here. It doesn't make long-term sense. He might make the Eagles better in the short term, but it's not, again, it's not an all-in kind of year. So I just don't think it makes sense to do that. And also you need to see what you have in Dallas Goddard as like the number one volume target in the offense at least as a tight end uh before you pay him a big money contract because he's a free agent after this season so i feel like zach Ertz can't be here just from like a logical perspective but i cannot rule out howard roseman like being stubborn and being like well we're not getting value for him so we're just going to keep him i just think that would be a big mistake speaking of another uh a target last uh from last season got a little bit of volume targets against the steelers uh travis fulgham has he turned out to be anything, or was that just a flash in the pan at the Steelers' expense? Yeah, that was interesting, right? He he did pretty well uh, against yeah. you guys. Um, I think Steven Nelson, too. He had a couple wins against him, who is obviously yep. now in Philly as well. So, uh, yeah, Travis Fulgham is kind of a mystery because he had a four-week stretch last season, including the game against the Steelers, where he led the NFL in receiving yards. Like, that is crazy. This is a guy who was a former six-round pick, and the Lions cut him, and then the Packers cut him, and then the Eagles picked him up after that. At the time they picked him up, like he's wearing a single-digit number in training camp. You're thinking this guy is just a camp body, and then all of a sudden, again, he's leading the NFL and receiving for a little stretch for a quarter of the season. Like That's, that's nuts. And then obviously after that, he kind of fell out of favor. Um, I think there were kind of concerns about his work ethic and everything, and that's kind of been touched on. So I think the Eagles have been really trying to light a fire under him in training camp. I've seen Nick Sirianni kind of get up in his face and kind of be really fiery and passionate with him. I think he's trying to get the most out of him. I've seen some good things from Travis Fogelman training camp, but I've seen just a little bit too much inconsistency too with these drops and everything. So I buy that he has talent. It's just a matter of like, is he going to be able to put it all together? Is he? Does he have the drive? Does he have the focus? I think there's a chance, but really not going to be able to see that until we see the regular season games. 
So you mentioned uh, Stephen Nelson there, of course, former Steeler, now Philadelphia Eagle. I'm curious how he's looking at camp. Does does he look like a, like the guy that he was maybe with the Steelers in 2019, or it, does he look legit, or what uh, what do you have with him? I would say he's been exactly, basically, as you guys have advertised. Uh, he's a quality number two starting quarterback, which is what the Eagles signed him to be. You know, Obviously, they have Darius Slay as their number one, uh, and they had a big gaping hole in their roster after that. So uh, Nelson fits right in. He's gotten beat sometimes on some deep throws especially, um, but he's knocked away a lot of passes as well for pass breakups. So I've seen some good things. I've seen some bad things. I've seen a lot more. I'd say more good things, and I have a level of confidence about him being like a solid starter at corner for the Eagles, especially what they paid uh, to get him. It's only like I think it was like $4 million or so deal, like really pretty reasonable deal for what they got him at. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a solid player, like clearly not a Pro Bowl or anything special kind of talent but uh, just a solid starter. Yeah, that is that is a position that I am I'm a guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does this season, largely because uh, you guys brought in Anthony Harris at free safety, who is, who is a more aggressive free safety and better attacking forward in the play, which is very similar to what this, he had in Minka Fitzpatrick as, as a safety with, with the Steelers. Uh, how is Anthony Harris – fitting in that defense and how good of a free safety do you think he is yeah it's a really so the the nelson and anthony harris signings for the eagles are almost similar in that like they didn't have the best seasons last year but they were good before that especially in as recently as 2019 so the eagles are kind of taking these one-year flyers on them maybe seeing if they can kind of get back to that form and with harris we haven't really seen a ton out of him in training camp in terms of uh, highlight plays and everything, but that might be a good thing. He's just in good position all the time. I'm not really seeing him get beat a lot. Um, he's had a couple big hits, even though the Eagles aren't really tackling to the ground, just kind of in a you know thud. Uh, so you know he's he's popped here and there. He had a, he had a diving pass breakup I think earlier this week. So you know I've seen a little bit out of him. Haven't seen a ton of uh, great things, but. I think there's reason to believe that he could have a pretty good season. Just again, if he can get back to that 2019 form when he, I believe he like led the NFL interceptions, at least for safeties at six, he got the franchise tag from the Vikings, you know, and everyone thought he might get that big deal in free agency if he didn't get tagged. So I think there's uh, some reason to believe he can kind of bounce back a little bit, especially because the Eagles have a new defensive coordinator uh, in Jonathan Gannon, who uh, is comes from that Minnesota Vikings background and also has kind of just like a track record of getting more out of less uh, or kind of revitalizing defensive backs careers. I mean, you look at Xavier Rhodes last year in with the Colts and Chris Ballard, uh, Indy's GM, specifically credited Jonathan Gannon, who was the Colts defensive backs coach at the time, for really getting Xavier Rhodes like back on track after he got cut by the Vikings and he, and he, he was really bad for Minnesota there. So I think there's reason to believe that Gannon can kind of get uh, Anthony Harris back on track here. Uh, one of the things that we've uh, kind of touched on a, a few times is the Eagles really, their injury problems uh, stretching back to last season, which uh, decimated the team really. Uh, and really it's kind of continued a little bit into a training camp this year too. Of course, uh, like Jeffrey mentioned, the top two picks battling some injury and, of course, uh, there are some other guys that have uh, been uh, battling stuff as well. Is this just a weird trend of snake bitten? Uh, I know we, we mentioned earlier about something being in the water. Or perhaps there's just a strength conditioning coach that's sabotaging uh, the team. But uh, what's going on with that? How, how can this team just not manage to stay healthy? 
I wish I had the answer, guys. I really did. Um, I think part of it has been, it's been a mix of things. I think there's been some bad luck involved, obviously. Um, if you look at like adjusted games lost by football outsiders, the Eagles have kind of been on the high end of that spectrum, just in terms of being bad. And and not just, it hasn't just been about suffering a lot of different injuries. The Eagles have been especially hit hard at times, like at the same position. It's like they're they're getting decimated on the offensive line, like I said they were last year, or like at cornerback, like, so sometimes when you have them spread out, you can kind of make do. But when you're getting, you're clustering those injuries together, that's when it becomes especially tough. So I think it's been some of that, some of the bad luck. It's been some of that. I don't know. You know, it's it's weird to say like medical staff because we just don't know exactly. You know what that means or who to assign blame to. But uh, and they've changed it. They've changed their medical staff these past couple seasons, and they've actually hired people from like the Vikings who had one of the healthiest. Uh, our teams in the league a couple of seasons ago when they made this hire and the Rams who've also been up there consistently kind of year after year. So, so they've even brought in people from like healthy organizations to kind of make this thing better. But, uh, and then this, like you said, in training camp this year, they've gone with shorter practices, which I think is another effort to try to make sure they can just stay as healthy as possible. So they're trying things. I will give them credit that like, they're not just doing the same thing and like uh, button their head into the wall and expecting different results. They're, they are trying things, but I, I guess they're just not lucky. So the Eagles, one of their strengths, you talked earlier about uh, Barnett and Sweat, is on the defensive line uh, where they have former Steeler Javon Hargrave. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, you've got Fletcher Cox. Uh, how is that defensive line doing? And especially uh, the the young defensive tackle you drafted this season. I, I was a big fan of his. Uh, always look at those guys that have crazy athletic testing. How's he looking? Yeah, so uh, I think the defensive line has the potential to be kind of like the strength of the team. I think the defense, the Eagles defense, has a chance to be like an above average unit, maybe even back end of the top 10, maybe at the very most, like everything goes right, top five. Um, uh, I think there's more hope for the defense than there is the offense, and part of it is because of the defensive line, where you have Brandon Graham, and you know what you're going to get in him. He was just a pro bowler last year, a very consistent player, not an elite edge rusher, but a very, very good one. Uh, you have Josh Wett, who we talked about, is having a great training camp. I think he's going to get double-digit sacks this year, the way he's looking in practice. You have Derek Barnett, who I think is going to rotate in. You'll sign Ryan Kerrigan. I think that's a pretty solid signing for them to add to the rotation considering Ryan Kerrigan has killed them for years. And then, yeah, on the inside, I mean, Fletcher Cox still looks pretty good. I don't know that he's like elite peak form Fletcher Cox anymore. I have questions about that, but he's still going to be a very good player. Uh, And then Javon Hargrave, who I see uh, people are asking about in the chat here, he's looking pretty good. Um, And he came into training camp hurt last year and then into the regular season hurt. I think he didn't even play week one. Uh, And it kind of took him time to catch up from that injury. We didn't really even see him making an impact until later in the season when he finally got healthy. So I think we could see him make an impact this year from the jump now that he is healthy and he's playing next to Fletcher Cox and he's, you know, uh, has all this defensive line talent to work with. And then you mentioned uh, Jeff there, uh, uh, Milton Williams, who actually has kind of been interestingly getting looks at defensive end in addition to defensive tackles. They're kind of moving him around uh, using some different kind of 4-3, looks at the front of their defense. So it's kind of be interesting to see how he fits in here. Uh, there's been some nice moments with him getting interior pressure and disruption and everything. I don't think he's going to like take on this major role, especially because there's already so many other veterans ahead of him. But he could be kind of a nice role player uh, in year one. So especially bringing up all those uh, names uh, along the defensive front, um, 
in this matchup specifically, we all know the Steelers kind of issues along their offensive line, especially as we kind of get into into those depth situations. And of course, the Eagles are really deep on their defensive line. Do you anticipate this could be like a, a very long game for the Steelers quarterbacks? Could they be uh, running for their lives a little bit, especially as we get to later on in the game? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair point because even some of these younger guys that the Eagles have, like you look at a Teron Jackson who they drafted this year, like he's been showing some things, especially on one on ones in camp. So, and in general, I think uh, there's a dearth of offensive line talent in the NFL more so than there is when it comes to defensive line. So I think just from that perspective, the defensive line kind of has an edge. And I think uh, the fact too, that they're going to be rotating can kind of make things tough for the Steelers. Another big factor that I think, again, in a game that doesn't matter, but could work in the Eagles favor is they have a somewhat experienced uh, third string quarterback, not to mention backup and Joe Flacco, but in third string and Nick Mullins, who obviously, you know, has experience starting for the 49ers and everything. So, uh, now, but then again, the Steelers have backups too who have played. So for a preseason game, it's interesting because these quarterbacks are like quarterbacks who've actually played in the NFL or have been around for a while and have experience. Just to cut in, I'm just excited to see Joe Flacco on the field again. Just open <laughs> our edge rushers can take him down. Just, just at least one more time before he hangs him up. Just just for old time's sake. But Jeffrey, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say I don't think when people were talking about like they were surprised Ben Roethlisberger is not even gonna play in this game, and I was like, it's in Philadelphia. Have you seen their defensive line? Like, the, yeah, I wouldn't put Ben Roethlisberger in the there. Yeah, time. like, but <laughs> yeah, when he goes to Philly, it's terrible. Um, is there anywhere uh, where you're looking at the matchup between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and you're saying this is a great test for you know someone in Philadelphia? This is a great test of what Philadelphia has facing against Pittsburgh. Well, I'm interested to see, even if it might be a short amount of time, Jalen Hurts and the starting offense, which is coming off what some Eagles reporters have described as like the worst offensive practice they've ever seen over the weekend. Uh, and I think, you know, again, Jalen Hurts has had an up-and-down training camp. I'm interested to see how he does against the Steelers' defense. Now, I know, like, all your starters might not be playing and everything, but still, there's a lot of talent on that defense. Uh, it's one of the best defenses in the NFL last year, and it's a tough unit. And I think for Jalen Hurts to, to go up against them uh, is a test worth seeing. And also, I wonder if the Eagles' offense and Jalen Hurts kind of struggles and Nick Sirianni kind of might keep them in the game, especially if the Steelers – pull out their starters and it's like really all backup defense i almost wonder like if he sirianni might keep him in to see how like he does against the backups and maybe try to like build some confidence playing against lesser competition so that's one of the biggest things i want to see uh one more quick question for me before we get you out of here brandon um are you at all kind of concerned about losing an extra first round pick next year because of old uh, carson wentz's foot injury just one more kick in the pants from the old quarterback well, we'll see. You know, there's there's talk now that he might be. I mean, I can't, I just have a hard time believing he's gonna be ready for week one. When I just saw a report today that said like this kind of injury could take like two to three months to recover from. So week one seems a little generous to me. But yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. It's it's funny to me, not funny and like I'm laughing, but it's interesting <laughs> how Carson Wentz, the former Eagles quarterback, his availability could impact who the Eagles get next because the Eagles probably want to take that pick. Uh, that they can get from the Colts potentially a first and the pick that they have from the Miami Dolphins, which is guaranteed to be a first next year. And then they have their own first round pick. And obviously we've all heard the rumors about Deshaun Watson beyond that. There's been rumors about Russell Wilson. So, uh, and, and and I think the Eagles are not going to have a very long leash with Jalen Hurts. I think Hurts has a very high bar to clear. I think if there is a shred of doubt about Jalen Hurts after this season, 
a single shred, they are going to pivot instantly because they are obsessed with finding their new franchise quarterback. They're not going to settle for less, especially when they have those uh, assets to make a big move. So, uh, yeah, I think they're really hoping that that does turn out to be a first so they can get whether it's a Watson or Wilson or whoever it is. Perfect. Now, before you go, is there anything you want to plug on your way out? Yeah, you can check out bleedingyournation.com for uh, all your Philadelphia Eagles coverage, uh, you know, in addition to behind the steel curtain. Maybe, you know, if the Eagles lose, you can, you know, uh, see every maybe Philly fans melting down. If that's fun to you, you can you can enjoy that. Uh, or just, you know, just get some perspective, uh, just different perspective. So, yeah, definitely check that out. I'm actually going to have a Q&A uh, with Jeff, who I mentioned earlier, up on the site tomorrow morning, Thursday morning. So uh, we, we, you know, sent some questions back and forth. My, my answers will also be on BTSC, so you can check that out. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gatton. You can check out Bleeding Green Nation's podcast, which is you know Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Like you, you have your own podcast feed here. So uh, that's about it. Oh, SB Nation NFL show too. Obviously, as we are all part of SB Nation, check out the SB Nation NFL show, which covers every team, and including the Steelers. Sometimes we talk about them. Beautiful stuff. Hey, the number one and number two podcast across uh, the SB Nation platform. So got to throw yes. that out there too. So uh, once again, thank you for joining us, Brandon. Uh, have a great night. Thanks, guys. All right, Thanks, ladies man. and gentlemen, Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation. So if you are watching on YouTube or Facebook, just sit tight. We will uh, bring uh, bring you back with the all Steelers content for the second half of the show. So we'll be back with uh, that in a moment. If you're listening on a podcast platform, you can switch over to part two right now. Steelers.